This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Today, we are talking about after high school. And I titled this episode, What is Catherine Doing After High School? Because I've been getting that question, Jesse. You've probably gotten that question many times. And I know Catherine has gotten that question multiple times, probably every day or at least every week. And this has kind of led to a bigger conversation Mm-hmm. about expectations, about how we spend so much time kind of thinking of the future. A lot of the times we are missing out on today and we worry about, we fear the future. We just spend energy on the future, which goal setting is not wrong. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast, but how can we help seniors and other people who have big things in their future, big decisions to make, how do we walk alongside them well? And I know this can be a bit of a controversial topic. I actually talked about it on Instagram. I'm the money saving mom on Instagram if you're not following me and got hundreds and hundreds of responses about this. And so I'll share some of those um, when we get to that. But first, Jesse, we just got back from a trip to Branson, Missouri, Mm -hmm. and I was realizing we didn't really celebrate as much as we should have the fact that it's about seven hours and 45 minutes or eight hours to drive there and back, depending upon traffic. Uh-huh. And on the way there, we only stopped twice for pretty short periods. And on the way home, we only stopped once for a very short period. 
And that's pretty impressive for yeah. eight people on the car, two toddlers and one baby and three teenagers and well, two adults. And not only that, what was impressive in my eyes was that I think we left the earliest we've ever left on a road trip leaving. We and did. Going out. And we were meeting up with all of our extended or my extended family or most all of my extended family. And we were the first ones to Never, <laughs> the condo. Has happened. So we need to celebrate that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We are typically the ones who are um we just like to bring up the rear. Yes. Yes. We we just we take our time and we enjoy the scenery and yes. So we went there, like I said, to meet up with all most all of my extended family we went to Silver Dollar City, which was so much fun. Every year or as often as we can, we try to go to Silver Dollar City around the end of September, beginning of October. We've been doing this for years. Decades. Because Jesse and I, actually, our families, along with a lot of other families from the church we grew up in, um, did this. I don't know how many times your family came. Oh, it's just countless. I don't know. I But it was just a tradition, and we've carried this on. We've skipped a few years, but mm -hmm. it's just, it's it's a beautiful time of year. The weather is usually perfect, and there aren't as many people. But one of the things that was really fun on the trip was Silver Dollar City has a lot of different amusement rides, and we discovered that Baby D loves that was little some, kitty that rides. That was a lot of fun. And that was not something that was even really on our radar. Mm -hmm. And so we had been excited for Kirsten. We talked to her about the roller coasters and the rides and all of that. And we'd kind of really hyped it up. And she was excited about going on her roller coaster, which I wasn't really sure what she was picturing in her mind. But we get there and we get to the little kitty ride section and she freaked out. She was not going to get on any of the rides. And so that was fine. She's little. And, you know, I didn't want to just push her on a ride and have a terrible experience and then her never want to ride a ride again. So... We were going to just leave the kitty section, but then he started leaning uh -huh. and motioning and really just making all this noise because he can't talk yet, but he can definitely, definitely make his desires known. He wanted to get on one of those rides. So I was like, okay, well, you're, this is, you're tall enough. You can get on there as long as you ride with an adult. So I think you took him uh -huh. on the first one and he, there, had, he had, there wasn't a minimum height on that one. That he was had all right. the biggest smile on his face. And then he wanted to go again and he wanted to go on another one. Mm -hmm. And Kirsten did finally come around and she figured out that she really liked the carousel, which she yes, called she my roller coaster. But she would not ride on any of the actual animals, you know, like what you think of as a typical carousel ride. She wanted to sit in the seat that was on the carousel. So that's what we did. And she would just keep saying, one more time, one more time, <laughs> one more time. <laughs> one thing that's saving my life that is related to the trip is my Spectra breast pump, which I don't think I've ever talked about on here. I, since Kirsten, have pretty consistently during her, all while I was nursing her, I pumped pretty consistently. And then with Micah, I have pumped pretty much every single day. And I love the Spectra pump, not only because it's a really high quality pump, but it's you plug it in and then you charge it and then you can unplug it and take it with you. And mm -hmm. it's very portable. Very and convenient. I have used it 
many different places, but in the car, it was great because I was able to pump and then feed him a bottle. And that was one of the big reasons why we didn't stop. And we have uh, were you te- were you a te- new guest today. Were you telling us about it? He just wanted to stop and tell us about it. But that was what really helped us to be able to drive the longer stretches is having that pump. And I've heard from many, many people that it is one of the best pumps out there. And it's funny because you just randomly happened to get it. I think maybe you did some research, but it was when I was with Kirsten, I was having all sorts of issues with nursing and um, she wasn't gaining weight. And we'd been going into the pediatrician and trying a lot of different things. And I think this was a week or maybe five days after she was born, but nursing was just not going well. And my, and the pediatrician was like, you need to go get a breast pump and you need to try pumping after each feed and see if that can kind of help increase your supply. So you just ran to Target, Target or Walmart and Walmart. Did I just say Walmart? Um, <laughs> Walmart, I think, but it was Target. You ran there and I, I think you just, I don't know, picked up the best one. I hadn't done any research. You know, I think it's funny because typically that's one of those things you would research a lot maybe and spend a lot of time trying to figure out you just picked it up because we were kind of in this desperate place and it ended up, I mean, that thing has been a workhorse and it has been such a gift and a blessing and also definitely helped increase my supply with both Mm -hmm. um, Kirsten and Micah. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Jesse, do you have anything that's saving your life? Not that I can think of. Your life's just not been really saved recently. No. But probably you have to say that or the, because the breast pump was really great for you to be able to keep driving and us to get home that night. But I was also thinking, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but the bouncing balls. Did it work though? It did work. Not as, not as effectively as for Kirsten and Champ, but um, we talked about there's this little clip on YouTube. It's called Bouncing Balls, Put Your Baby to Sleep. And it's these red and black balls that bounce up and down mm-hmm. with this music. It's the most boring video ever. But when we were traveling with Kirsten and Champ, that especially when they were around the six month to eight month mark, mm-hmm. that was just the ticket to get them to sleep or quiet down a lot of the time. Micah's a little bit too young for it still, but he did a few times on the trip when I showed that to him, Mm. that helped him to calm down and fall asleep. So we should link to that in the show notes. I've used it once since then. And and I was actually mesmerized by it myself, but I was more so looking like how it was looped, you know, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating that they closed the comments on the (laughs) video. So I would just wonder what the kind of comments would be on that video. Unless... It's probably actually because YouTube changed their rules in the last few years. I believe I I don't it's do a lot on YouTube. It's if it's for children, children. Mm-hmm. I think comments now are no longer allowed. Hmm. Interesting. I think somebody who knows more about YouTube, or we could ask Silas. He probably knows mm-hmm. um, because he does stuff on YouTube. I have a book update. I know you said that you are still working through the books that you shared mm-hmm. about in our last episode with the two of us, but I just am almost finished listening to Count the Nights by Stars by Michelle Shockley. I listened to her, another book by her, um, Under the Tulip Tree, which I found very interesting. And a lot of it was set in Nashville. So I found that especially Mm -hmm. interesting. Well, this one was as well. So I'm wondering, I need to research 
Is she from Nashville? Obviously, she has some ties here. But um, it was about the centennial celebration. And that's it was the hundred year mm-hmm. celebration of Nashville, correct? Is when that was that in eight, in the late eighteen hundreds? Is that yes. when it was set? So it's set then, and then there's a later. It kind of has two, I, like fifty years later, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even longer, seven years later, like in the nineteen. I think it's nineteen seventies or eighties. I need. When I listen, I don't see the numbers on paper, but something like that. So it's two different time periods and kind of interweaves the the two stories together. But it's all about Nashville what, years ago. What, was there anything in the book that was settings that were settings that you recognized? Well, definitely because it talks about like the Parthenon mm-hmm. and kind of things in that area. And so I could picture it because Park. we've mm-hmm. been there, Centennial Park, all of that. So it was just fascinating to think of what I picture Centennial Park as and then what it would have been yeah. when the celebration was. I've seen pictures of what it was when they had the celebration. And I think that they had a World's Fair there. I don't know. But, but that's why they built the Parthenon and there was, there, I think there was a pyramid there too. And yes. there were several other different historically based architecture that are no longer there. Yes. And it sounded like it just, there was just so much and it was such a big deal. So just very interesting because it's a piece of history that I haven't really studied about, but also then it brought in, I guess, from what I'm understanding, I need to read more. I know there's at or listen more. There's a more at the end of the book about the actual historical events, but there was this whole human trafficking thing that went on Mm. there. And so the book delves into that. Then also it's interesting because the the second story, which is the later story, the woman has a brother who has um, a lot of disabilities. And so just, I, I found that piece and how they wove that into the book. I thought it was very well done. And I thought it, it brought in how doctors just wanted her, the parents to put him in an institution. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because some of the things that she was saying, it rings true of just when we were at Silver Dollar City, a woman came up to us because we had baby D. And so we kind of attract anyone who has a child with Down syndrome or a connection to someone with Down syndrome. I feel like he just attracts them and they come over and they talk mm-hmm. to us. And so she said, my brother has Down syndrome. And I think he was 50, I think is what she said. Wow. And she told me how um, when he was born that the doctors recommended that they put him in an institution and also they recommended, or no, they didn't recommend, they wouldn't let him be in the nursery with the other babies mm. at the hospital because they said, we don't want other parents to see him and it kind of ruined their experience of coming in to see their newborn baby. And Mm -hmm. so just some of the things that she was saying, she was talking about how it's just much more, there's much more acceptance and awareness now. And it used to just be this really, I don't even know the word, but she was just saying she's so grateful for the progress that has been made. So in the book, this count the nights by stars, it, that, that kind of comes out. You hear a lot more of how it wasn't accepted Mm -hmm. and, um, how they had to process through that and how they decided not to put him in an institution and how that was such a big deal. 
Jesse, you and I have also been watching a really fascinating, fascinating is the word, very interesting documentary. Well, it's actually a series. It's like a miniseries yes, based upon actual True events, events um, called Five Days at Memorial. And I guess there's a book that I now want to read with that same title that this series is based upon. It's on Apple TV. You can watch the first episode for free. It does have some language in it and it's got some thematic events because it's based upon the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina and the events that happened at Memorial Hospital. And I never knew the story. I had no Mm. idea, but apparently... Yeah, I didn't either. Apparently when they after the waters receded and they were able to come back into the town, they found 45 bodies at the hospital. And so they did this investigation into it. And this is a series that dives into the events, the five days um, after during the first day was hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. And then the days after that, and it's just from what I've researched, very historically accurate and also just kind of mind boggling. Mm. And it's hard to wrap your head around what it would have been like and the impossible decisions that had to be made and Mm -hmm. how difficult it was and how many different systems failed in the process. And so we have just a few episodes left, so we haven't fully finished it, but I think it's very worth watching. Would you agree? Yeah. And I think that after each episode, they have a little blurb about the episode and the real events that occurred. And I don't know if they talked to actual people that were there. We need to go back through and watch. Mm -hmm. Now that we've almost watched the whole miniseries, it would be interesting to go back and watch the behind the scenes parts. And I think watching the first episode for free can give you a good idea of whether we paid $5 to mm-hmm. get the Apple TV subscription because I'd read enough about this that I wanted to watch it. And I felt like it was worth $5 for um, being able to watch it. And definitely I would recommend it. Yeah. And I thought it started out slow. I didn't know whether I would like it or not, but if you push through after the first episode, it does get better. Mm. I thought it was interesting from the get go, but we all have different perspectives. All right. So this question that everyone is asking that I didn't realize was, I mean, I I remember Jesse back whenever I was graduating from high school, people asking me, what are you going to do? And it was weird because I was homeschooled and I had already made the decision that I wasn't going to go to college. And so I very quickly figured out I needed to have a very confident answer because people who were you know, thought that was crazy. If I didn't have confidence, they were really going to think I was crazy. And so I would just confidently Mm -hmm. answer, you know, I am teaching violin and working as a waitress and involved in these ministries. And you just confidently say what I'm doing and that I was really happy with where I was at. But with Catherine, it's just interesting because people started asking her for sure, Her junior year, like beginning of junior year, she started getting all these questions. And I realized that it became this heavy weight on her, that she Mm -hmm. started feeling all this stress of 
Like she needed to have an answer and she didn't. And you, neither you nor I had felt like she needed to have it figured out right then. It was just her mm-hmm. junior year. It's, you know, you can be thinking about things, but you don't need to know this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go to college. This is what I'm going to major in. You know, you're just a junior. So we had a lot of conversations with her. And I remember one time just saying to her, are you feeling pushed and pressured by us? And she goes, no, it's just everyone is asking me. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about that and I started realizing people are just asking one, maybe out of curiosity or two, because they really care. Or three, because that's what you're supposed to ask. They're just trying to make conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, no one is has ill intent when they're asking this, but I was realizing that I think it can be causing a lot of stress mm-hmm. and pressure on these 17, 18-year-olds to need to feel like, well, I got to have my whole life figured out. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do right now. And even recently, Catherine's saying, well, it's such a big decision because it's going to impact the rest of my life. And yes, but also it's not the rest of your life. Right. And I think that one thing that just occurred to me, you have so much flexibility when you work or in college, changing your major, changing your school, changing changing a lot of things. Not even going to school anymore. Dropping out. That's always an option. Um, but realistically, you know, what we've learned through our journey, going, um, most people aren't working in the areas in which they majored in. Mm-hmm. And usually have two or three jobs in the first five years. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon. And so I started talking about this on social media. It was someone had written in, I do a Q&A box on Saturdays and someone wrote in and well, actually multiple people had been writing in every week asking, what is Catherine going to do after high school? And so I addressed it last week and I just said, she's not for sure. She's considering a lot of different options. Um, She's getting closer to making a decision, but we're just encouraging her to trust the Lord, take her time and really not stress so much about it that she misses her senior year. We want her to be able to enjoy the here and now. And that simple answer, it was just one slide on Instagram, got so many responses from people. And I ended up then doing a series of stories a few days later, talking a little bit more about this and then inviting people to share what would be a better question instead of us asking seniors or even someone wrote in, people are already asking my freshmen and it's a bit mm-hmm. much. What would be a better question for us to ask than where are you going to college or what are you going to do after you graduate? How can we ask it in a way, how can we care about them? You know, ask good questions, but not in a way that puts pressure or stress on them that they have to have their life all figured out and that they can't, you know, I think especially if you feel like you have to lock it in Mm -hmm. when you're a freshman or a junior or even a senior and then feeling like, well, I've told everybody. So now I got to stick with this. Even if you end up changing plans or something Mm -hmm. comes up and you're like, that doesn't look like that's the right path anymore. Someone said, asking, what are you most looking forward to in the future? This is a question that allows them to share as much or as little as they'd like and any future plans they may have if they feel like sharing. And I think that, you know, just thinking about how can we ask it in a way that gives them the option 
to share what they want to share instead of feeling like they need to defend their decision or that they don't have a decision. And, you know, I want to be clear. I'm not saying, like I said earlier, that you shouldn't have goals. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have plans or have ambition. I'm not saying, you know, well, we shouldn't encourage them to make any plans and then end up with all these 40 year olds that are living in their parents' basement or living off their parents' Mm-hmm. you know, income. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying, how can we walk alongside them in a way that encourages them instead of someone said, I think often that pressure stuns them. I'd agree. Someone said, I always appreciated being asked what I was excited about after high school. That left me open to simply say no more homework if I didn't really know yet or excited for a job or just seeing what the Lord has for the next step. Um, someone else said, I'm not a parent, but I am a youth leader of high school girls, and I've been mentoring a now college sophomore. The pressure doesn't always end at high school graduation. I'm watching the college sophomore wrestle with, but what major do I settle on? And mm-hmm. what if I change my mind later? It's a lot. So lots of conversations on not missing the season for the stress and reminding her of so many people who end up in fields that don't match the degree. The other thing I was thinking of is it's not an in an intended consequence, but that question would tend to impose guilt on somebody if they don't have the right answer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not only stress, but it's also guilt if they feel like they don't live up to whatever they said they were going to do. Plans change. They haven't made a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, there needs to be freedom Freedom to do what you feel God is leading you to do, even if it's completely against somebody else's expectations that they may have of you. Mm-hmm. I love this response. I think just asking how their senior year is going, because everyone is asking about graduation, college, future. Let them know you care about what is happening right now. Ask them what hobbies they enjoy, what activities they are participating in, what class they are struggling with, and what class they love. Focus on today or this week. Love them where they are at this moment. One thing I just thought of while you're reading that question is that could actually, that question could actually spur them into thinking, oh, this is what I really like and might end up doing when I go off to college. Maybe they, they're leading them to help answer that other question. And it's not putting that stress and burden on them. Someone said, I'm 43 and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Why do we expect 18 year olds to know what they want to do forever? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, you know, if you think about if someone, if every day multiple people were asking you, well, what are you going to do mm-hmm. next year? Where do you want to be in five years from now? After not too many times of people asking, it would become like, well, I, I need to be doing more than I'm doing. I need to have things more figured out. And um, so I think that there are ways that we can come alongside, but in a way that encourages them. And someone else said, I find this is the case in so many life stages, like asking a single person when they're getting married or newlyweds, when they're going to have babies, just ask people how they are right now. So for a senior, how's your last school year going? What are you most excited for this year? Questions that focus on celebrating what's happening right now with them. And it's interesting because just this week I was in I was at youth group. I helped co-lead a, a small group of juniors. I've been with them for a few years and they were talking about how they're just stressed about the unknown and stressed for the future and how 
it's just hard to think about, you know, what are they going to do? And, you know, they're, they're wrestling with all of these things. Plus they're dealing with just at school. It feels like so much pressure with all the tests and all the exams and all the, the things that are going on at school. And we were talking about how it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. And one of the girls was saying how she was studying for a test and she was sitting at the table and she was just super, super, super focused and stressed on this test and thinking about, you know, it's tomorrow and how I'm going to do this and all this. And she has an older sister who has a little girl. And so her little um, niece was right there beside her and she was up on our tiptoes and she was standing there and looking at her paper and she was all excited just to be with her. And what are you doing? And, you know, what are you working on? And what are you studying about? She was asking all these questions and she said she realized she wasn't even paying any attention to our little niece who was excited and wanted to be there with her and talk with her and engage with her because she was so stressed Mm. about getting good grades on this test. And she was just saying like, am I focusing on things that aren't as important and missing what's most important? And I just thought it was really profound because she was saying, you know, in 10 years from now, my niece might, she's going to be doing her own tests, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and I, I'm, I'm going to look back and wish that I would have invested in her, but I spent that time being so stressed about things that aren't really going to matter that much in 10 years from now. And I, I just thought that was really good. And it can apply to all of our lives. Imagine learning that lesson as a junior. Mm-hmm. I know these girls are so much wisdom that I take away from spending time with them. And there's so much that we can learn from them. And I think that's why asking questions that allow us to get to the heart, mm-hmm. that's how we not only encourage them, but also we can come away learning so much from them. And and so this conversation, we'd love to hear from you. What, what when you think of a question that could really encourage and help you walk with someone, whether it's a senior, a junior, a freshman, or whether it's someone who they are in college or just out of college or, you know, single and not married or just married, whatever season of life that they're in that you're thinking, hmm, I wonder what they're going to do in X season, or I wonder when this is going to happen, instead of asking them that question, what is a better question that you can ask? How can you walk with people well without putting our own pressure or expectations or it not even meaning to, but it coming across as if we are? Because I know just having a senior now, I am going to forever change how I ask questions Mm -hmm. of other kids that are juniors and seniors or in college or just in so many situations. I'm going to think before I hope at least I ask a question that could just be putting extra pressure on them. That's going to could in in a sense stunt them or make them feel like they need to defend their choice. How can I ask a question that's going to encourage them to celebrate and notice what is in the here and now? Cause there's so much and we don't know, we're not promised tomorrow mm-hmm. and we could spend all of our life stressing about the future and miss today. And so how do we help ourselves and those around us really focus on soaking up and savoring today? Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.